Good. Well, I'm, we're going to talk about the new birth, the new creation, who we are in Christ this morning. Um, this morning and last week in the first service, I preached messages about the new creation that go with this one. So if you didn't hear either one of those, I would encourage you to grab those online. It's part of like kind of three that I've put together on uh, becoming a new creation, living in the new creation. And so um, uh, turn in your Bible with me to Ephesians chapter 3, and we'll get going. And not that Dustin's prayer wasn't potent and effective, but I want to pray again. (laughs) Something about when you preach, you want to be the one that prays over the message. Even when the people want to, they, like, if I'm preaching, and they'll come up and they'll go, hey, I just want to lay hands on you, and they're going to let me speak, and then they pray for me, then I always still want to pray <laughs> before I serve it. So, Lord, we love you. Let's just, again, turn our hearts. We love you. And, Lord, we want to engage with you. So, thank you, Holy Spirit. Release revelation in this room. I'm asking that the truth of who we are as a new creation, the reality of the new birth, the revelation of Christ in us, the hope of glory, that that would become so real and so rich to us this morning that our hearts would literally burn with understanding. And Lord, I I believe that you want to emphasize identity right now. You want to call us into who we are. So I'm asking, let me speak as your oracle. Let me declare the knowledge of God, the right knowledge of God. And I pray for every every ear to hear Release the spirit of revelation in the house. We give you thanks for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Okay, Ephesians 3. This is a really uh, kind of known passage. It's one of Paul's uh, prayers. We call it an apostolic prayer. Uh, And it's one of the ones that's sort of the root system for uh, the New Testament. It's kind of one of the basis Uh, prayers that Paul was praying for the church, that the church would come into a a fullness of of the knowledge of God and a fullness of maturity in Christ. And uh, we pray it often in the house of prayer. I I would encourage you, make this prayer in Ephesians 3, make it a habit for yourselves. And and I want to read it, and then I just want to begin to comment on it. So Ephesians 3, verse 14, he says this, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church forever and ever in all generations. Amen. Praise God. This passage is so rich. It's so full. So I feel like the understanding of who we are as a new creature in Christ, the understanding that God actually dwells in our spirit, it's one that's sort of taken for granted by by many, many in the church. We kind of just sort of get our mind around it, like when you get saved, yeah, Jesus comes, lives in your heart, 
We sort of just put it into some category. Yeah, it's just part of what Christianity is. Jesus lives in your heart. And then we kind of go along living, trying to, to do this Christian life without any real understanding about what that means. And so I want to emphasize to us who we are today, that in Christ, you are completely different than what you were before you came to Jesus. You are a completely different thing. You are so different. It's not that you just modified your behavior. You are so different. The Bible says you're a new, entirely new creation. You are a fresh, brand new thing that's never been before, a new creation. And the idea is this. When you say yes to Jesus, you die with him in his death on the cross, and then you are raised with him in newness of life. That's what the Bible tells us. And that transaction happens by God, the Father and the Son, through the Holy Spirit coming and living inside of you. Inside of you. He's not a hitchhiker who just shows up occasionally and wants a ride. He's not just a guest that visits for a little while and then leaves. God lives inside of you. Say, inside of me. He lives in your spirit. In fact, God made the human spirit. It's just a shocking thought. He constructs the human spirit so that that part of your being can actually house God. Now, just think about that for a moment. Moses, when he asked to see the glory of God, the father said, you can't see my glory. You can't see my face and live. Your flesh isn't made to be able to peer without any kind of veil right into the glory of God. Your flesh will die if that happens. Your physical body will die. But in the new birth, we say yes to Jesus and God, who we can't look at physically, visibly, without it killing our body. God actually comes and lives inside of our spirit within our very being. It's a shock, beloved. It's a shock. It's, it's something that we, we think we know, but we don't even know. I mean, it's just, it's one of these things like, if you really, really believe this, it changes everything about how you live. It changes your entire existence and all of your perspective. And what you find is this. When you, when you look at the New Testament, you find much of Paul's teaching and much of the thrust of what he's trying to get the church to understand is that God living inside you enables you to live a completely new kind of life. It enables you to have power over sin, it enables you to change the way you think, your mind, your will, your emotions, your soul can get completely transformed. It enables you to, to uh, govern your flesh in a way that you, you could never have before because you are no longer a slave to sin. You are no longer in debt to sin. You are actually free from sin and empowered by the Holy Spirit to choose righteousness. Oh, come on, man. See, here's, here's our challenge. We think we know this, but we don't. And you know how I know we don't? Because we struggle so much with the lust of the flesh. 
We struggle so much with our minds, and we do not know that we've got the power of a billion suns times a billion to the infinite, you know, infinity, multiplication by infinity, living on the inside of us. We have that inside of us right now. If you're in Christ, that's inside of you right now. And we live so short of that truth. I came in this morning, and, and I got Jeff and Dustin, and, and I started telling them, hey, man, I'm just a little beside myself today. My emotions are a little weird. My, my wife's out of town for a few days, and it feels like I lost half my brain. <laughs> I, I, I got up this morning. I was trying to figure out what to wear, and I, I got a shirt, and I ironed it, and then I put it on, and I went, I don't want to wear that shirt, and I was just, just, just doing the frantic thing. And I came in, and I looked at Jeff, and he looked at me. He was like, you all right? I was like, man, Mary Beth's gone, and I don't know. And uh, He goes, I'm going to pray for you. <laughs> Sit down. And he began to pray for me, but I was realizing the very thing that I'm preaching on this morning was the very thing I was attacked with as soon as I got out of bed today. Will my flesh and will my mind, will it come under the authority of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of me, or will I be in the flesh and live in a carnal mind that's actually enmity with God? And beloved, this is the Christian journey. This is our life. It's about living from the inside out instead of the outside in. And where Christianity tries to impose upon us or any kind of religious you know, uh, beliefs try to impose upon us some legislation that causes you to legislate from the outside in, it's completely false. Because what God does is he says, I'm not trying to get you to live to my standard. I'm actually going to come inside of you and empower you to do righteousness as your natural way of living. I'm going to change you from the inside out. I'm going to actually change you within so your appetites, your desires, your emotions, your will are transformed and conformed to my will, my appetites, my emotions, and my desires. This is Christianity. I love it. It's the best deal going. It's the absolute best deal going. No other religion, no other religion, the God of that religion says, I will come and live my life through you. They all say, you've got to measure up to me. Not Christianity. God goes, you have to die. He goes, I died and you died. Now watch, I will resurrect you. I will raise you and I will live my life through you. I just want to say this real clear. If when you came to Jesus, you stayed alive, you didn't become a Christian. It's what the Bible says. It says in Christ, you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is your life is revealed, you shall also be revealed with him in glory. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 2 Corinthians 5 says, he died for all, so all died. And he died for all that they which live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. This is called the new birth. If when you came to Jesus, you were sprinkling him on top of your life like a condiment to add seasoning, that is not Christianity. That's self-help and psychology, but Jesus isn't a self-help uh, guru. Jesus doesn't stand alongside, you know, Buddha, Confucius, Tony Robbins, and whoever, trying to, trying to modify your behavior. 
He's not trying to give you a positive mental mindset. You know what he's trying to do? Renew your mind by the Spirit. He's trying to flood your mind with Holy Spirit inclinations. It's called the life of God on the inside. So this prayer in Ephesians 3 is critical for the believer because what we have to understand is this, that when you got saved, when you came into Christ, your spirit, your spirit became a new creation, but you didn't get a new face, did you? <laughs> Some of you, when you got born again, you could see it on your face, but you still had that same face. You still had the same body. You still had the same mind. And so we go into a process of renewing the mind until our minds are filled with Christ. Our soul is filled with Christ. See, our spirit gets filled with God, and then we live a process of our soul being filled with God until the day when Jesus returns and our flesh gets filled with God. That's called being glorified. We're on our way to being glorified. You and I will all have the very glory of God completely saturating our physical frame to such an extent that our body will be, it's called glorified. It will actually be able to interact with God without any veils. Come on, man. This deal is a good deal. So Ephesians 3, what we have Paul praying is this. He's actually praying for the transformation of your soul. That's what he's praying for. Let me show it to you. He says, I'm bowing my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ from the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you, and I love this phrase, according to the riches of his glory. He goes, God has a wealth of glory and I'm, he goes, I'm asking God to reach into his stores of wealth, his glory stores. <laughs> He's the king of glory. He's the God of glory. He's got all the glory. He goes, I'm asking him to reach into his stores of glory and that he would strengthen you with might by his spirit in your inner man. Now, here, here's, here's a huge question. This is not a trick question. The Holy Spirit, he dwells inside of you. Is that yes or no? In Christ, that's a yes. Now, when the Holy Spirit's on the inside of you, is he like a fraction of the Holy Spirit? That's right. It's the full Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit is God, correct? So having the full Holy Spirit on the inside of you, that's having God inside of you. Isn't that right? But not a portion of God, because you can't divide him like that. Jesus said, my father and I will come and make our home in you through the Holy Spirit. All God in your spirit. Still true, yes? All God in your spirit. That's what you have in your spirit. You have all of God in your spirit. So then why is he praying that you'd be strengthened with might by his spirit in your inner man? Because you already have all God in your spirit. What is he actually asking for there? He's asking for the God that's in your spirit to fill your mind, your will, and your emotions. The inner man is your soul. 
The soul is the seat of the mind. It's the seat of the emotions. It's where you make your decisions. It's where your desires come from. And what he's asking is this, that you would be strengthened with might by the Holy Spirit who's on the inside of you in your soul. He's asking for this transition of glory that's in your spirit to now possess your soul. Come on now. This is beautiful. Because you are not helpless with an unrenewed mind. You are not stuck with all the images and all the junk that you put in your mind before you came to Christ. You're not stuck with that, and you're not a slave to that. That is subject, your mind is subject to the riches and the wealth of glory that's already dwelling in your spirit. Your mind is to be transformed by that very glory. And so here's what he's praying. He goes, I'm praying that you would be strengthened with might. The the very power of God would strengthen you in your inner man, the riches of God's glory in your inner man, in your soul, in your mind, in your will, in your emotions. And then he goes on to say this, that Christ would dwell in your heart through faith. Now, we've already established that God the Holy Spirit is living in your spirit. What is he asking for? He's asking for God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, and the Father by the person of the Holy Spirit to now dwell fully in your soul. You know what our challenge is in the church? We have a bunch of people that have God on the inside of them. They're a walking Holy Ghost glory nuclear reactor, and it's in their spirit, but almost none of that has gotten into their mind. Almost none of that's gotten into their emotions. And what happens is believers will tend to nurse on the very same things that the world nurses on. So you're getting filled with the content of the world into your mind instead of getting filled with the glory of God into your inner man, into your mind. And so here's what the church's portion is. Your portion is to be a walking Ark of the Covenant. That's your portion that you would be a walking, transporting glory of God vehicle. (laughs) And that it wouldn't just be something hidden in your spirit, that it would ooze out of your mind, it would ooze out of your words, it would, the Holy Spirit would direct your thoughts, your emotions, your desires, and your dreams, so that the lusts of the flesh look like such a foreign entity, because you are being led by the Spirit of God. Them that are the sons of God are led by the this is who we're supposed to be. Not not that we just have this concept. See, I think that's our problem. We have a concept in Christianity that God lives inside of us. And from early, early days, you know, when you're in in children's church, we we teach children, pray, pray and ask Jesus into your heart. So we have this concept of God living in us. But you know what I really want is the actuality manifest in my mind the actuality manifest in my emotions, that my will is now being possessed by the will of the Lord so that every time I turn around, I'm not in this constant struggle with the will of God. I go, yes, Lord, your will, not mine, but yours. Let your will be done in me. That can only happen by the might of God, the glory of God, strengthening my inner man by the Holy Spirit. 
So this is what Paul is praying. He's asking that the Holy Spirit in our spirit would begin to pass that veil from spirit into soul, and that our minds would be hit with the lightning of God, and that our emotions would be filled with the glory of God, that our thought life would be filled with the life of God. It says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints was the height, the width, the depth, the length to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Now listen, that passage about knowing the love of Christ which passes our understanding, filled with the height, the width, the depth, the length, and knowing the love of Christ which passes our understanding has everything to do with what he just said, that Christ would dwell in your heart, that Christ would dwell in your mind. That's the point. And so here's the deal. When this begins to happen, when God who's in your spirit begins to possess your mind, the very first thing that happens to you is you begin to get rooted and grounded in the core reality of God's nature, love. That's why he ties that together. I can tell you a believer who's beginning to get possessed by the Holy Spirit because their natural inclinations our love, height, width, depth, length. They know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. Now think about that. How is someone gonna know something that passes knowledge? How are you gonna understand something that's beyond understanding? <laughs> He's talking about the full possession of the soul with love. Let me just ask you, what would you be like if every knee jerk of your soul was love? It was never anger. It was never fear. It was never frustration. It was never shame. Never hatred. What if every response out of your soul was love? Now, now, love doesn't just walk around like, you know, floating on air. Love feels pain. Love is full of zeal. God is love. There is, there is a righteous indignation that comes with love. But it's a hatred against sin and a hatred against the devil, not a hatred against people. If you're getting ticked off at people all the time, you need the might of God in your inner man. You need Christ to dwell in your heart through faith. And you need to get rooted and grounded in love. Because what we, we don't want to live is mad at people. We have to live with a righteous indignation against the activity of the enemy. Am I making sense? That can be fully love. But this is what Paul is calling the church to. He's praying for this for the church. And this is about be, growing up in Christ. This is about being mature in Christ. Having Christ dwell in your soul. So I just want you to think this through for a moment. All the inclinations of your mind, the knee-jerk of your mind, is, is, it, is it a product of Holy Spirit inside, or is it a product of something unrenewed from your BC days, before Christ, or a product of some carnality that you've currently fed your mind with? 
Am I, am I preaching too good right now? <laughs> it gets real quiet sometimes. Like, did he say, he just said carnality. I just filled my mind with it. Okay. See, because if we can get our mind filled with glory, our soul filled with glory, filled with the word. See, the word and the spirit, they, they transform our mind. Washing of the water by the word, revelation of the Holy Spirit. That in our mind transforms us from the inside. And see, when you're transformed on the inside, righteousness is a natural function of that. It's what Paul talks about in Romans 6. He says, present yourself to God as an instrument of righteousness. Instead of presenting yourself in the flesh to sin as an instrument of unrighteousness. And I'll tell you what's gripping me right now. Here's what's, here's what's I mean, I've got a, I do have something caught in my crawl right now. And here's what it is, is that the church isn't living in righteousness. And I, I just go, how is this a thing? How is it a thing that us with God, the infinite God on the inside of us, who is now transforming our mind, our will, and our emotions, who's putting might in the possession of our soul, he's enabling us to walk in righteousness, he's freed us from being slaves to sin. How is it possible that the church believers that have that as the reality are walking in unrighteousness? and living by flesh that's killing them. How is that possible? And he says, the mind set on the flesh is death. But the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. And only thing I can deduce is this, that we're more carnally minded than we are spiritually led. Yeah. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Seriously. If we're manifesting death, if we're manifesting unrighteousness, it's because we don't have the activity of the Holy Spirit possessing our mind and our emotions. There should be something that's happening in the life of us, the church, where that which is on the inside of us, the infinite God, is now possessing us so that what comes out of us is just glory. He said this. Thanks be to God who always leads us in his triumph in Christ. He leads us in the cross. And he manifests through us the sweet aroma of his fragrance in every place. Think about that. When I walk in to the Kroger, to the restaurant, to the bank, to the gas station, it should smell like Jesus up in that joint because I've got God inside of me. And I'm going, God, how are we living so distant from this truth? It's because we think we know it, but we don't. I'm convinced the key to having a religious spirit is taking those religious uh, spiritual ideas, putting a check mark by it, going, I already know that, already know that, already know that. And you become so dull about infinite truth, you think you know it, you get puffed up in pride and you don't know it at all. You are a walking nuclear reactor of the glory of God. You are a dangerous thing 
When you walk in some place and there's a bunch of unbelievers, you are like a shook up bottle of nitroglycerin ready to blow up in the spirit in that place. This is the reality of who you are. God's in there. Seriously, he's in there. He doesn't like take a break when you get around real people. We come in church, we're all, God, we walk in the store, like, I just want, I just want, my, I just want my, my ding-dongs. I'm just getting my ding-dongs. I'm getting out of here. It's like, what happened to you? What? You were a carrier of glory when we were singing about oceans. Let's go. Let's carry that glory right into the store. You should walk in there with your radar. I'm like, give me somebody. There's got to be a word for somebody in here. I got life on the inside of me. I got something on the inside of me that's supposed to make this place smell like God. And I I mean, last week I preached this and I went right to the Kroger. I was going to get some some drinks for lunch and I'd go run into the Kroger and I was so busy about getting my sodas and I was like, wait! I'm carrying glory and I just preached it! And I just, I mean, I, I was just looking. I dare you to look at me. I was, I was like, give me somebody. <laughs> and I, I, I mean, I was looking for, I didn't have the encounter I wanted, but I was like, give me, which one? Which one is about to smell me? They're about to smell me. Which one? The fragrance of Christ. Strengthened with might by his spirit in your inner man. I don't want my mind to just take a hold of every foreign thought that comes in there. You know, the enemy loves to place foreign ideas in your mind, and he loves to do it in first person. He goes, oh, I don't like them. That's what you hear. I think they're full of pride. And on the inside, you jump a hold of that, and you you grab a hold of it, and all of a sudden, you're judging that person by the spirit of Antichrist. And I'll just tell you this, when you're judging that person, the devil loves to do this. He loves to take the very thing that's your weakness and help you to spot it in other people. Takes one to know one. And so he will point out the very thing that you have an issue with so you can judge someone else. Why? So that you can stay bound with that very issue yourself. The Lord is never accusing the brethren to you. That's Satan. What we are is transformed in our mind by the glory of God. And I will tell you something. If God's transforming your heart, your heart will break over the issues that we see. Break over the challenges that we are, that we experience. Challenges of us. I used to judge the church. And then I started praying for the church. And then I realized I am the church. And every time I was judging them, I was judging me. Every time. And then I realized I don't even know what spirit I'm of. Because the the one that's judging the church and accusing the church and assailing the church is Lucifer, not the Holy Spirit. He's calling, God's calling us into glory. He's calling us into something so far grander and greater than we've ever dreamt. 
and we get, we get flowing in, the, in the, the carnal mind, the mind set on the flesh, and it produces death. And, and the entire time, we're supposed to be a walking tabernacle of glory. I want you to think about this. This is something the Lord's dealing with me on, like even right now. I pray often for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon us. I love that. I say, God, rend the heavens and come down. Send fire. Send power. Send glory. Do it again. Acts 2. Give us another Pentecost. Pour out your spirit. I love those prayers. And I love it. I love being able to pray those prayers and feel the atmosphere in a room shift. I love being able to pray those prayers, and without touching anybody, the Holy Spirit starts touching people and ministering and manifesting. I love that. I go, yes. But here's what the Lord's been dealing with me about. So I, my point in saying all that, that I love that, is I'm not in any way negating that. I love it at a level 10. I want it at a level 20. But here's my point. The Lord's been showing me there's so many times I'm praying for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon, and what he wants me to do is reach within to the store of glory that's on the inside of me and let that manifest in my life. That I'm already carrying the answer. I don't need God to pour out his spirit upon me to get my mind under control because I can be strengthened with my bias spirit in my inner man. Does that make sense? And that's exactly what Paul prayed. We have to access that which we're carrying and let it permeate our entire being. And we do it by the simple activity of setting our mind on the spirit and by putting the word of God into our mind. It's like literally that simple. The word of God into the mind helps renew the mind. That's called might going into your inner man. The mind, the will, and the emotions, that's the soul. The word of God into your mind, it helps renew the mind. It washes the mind. It cleanses the mind. And then the Holy Spirit on the inside, in my spirit, setting my mind. Romans 8 says, set your mind on the spirit. The mindset on the spirit is life and peace. And so as I engage Holy Spirit within, all of a sudden, I start feeling Holy Spirit. I start sensing him in my soul. And like, I can do this, like, I've seen this happen so many times. I'll be agitated, I'll be ruffled, you know, just frustrated, and I'll go, no, I'm going to focus on Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit inside of my spirit begins to change my emotions. And instead of operating in the flesh, I operate in the spirit. Beloved, this is what we need right now, to operate in the truth of our new birth, I'm not even talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm just talking about the fact that when you got saved, God came and lived on the inside of you. And oh, if we could just live in that place of new birth, that place of glory on the inside. I want you to think about this. In the garden, God dwelling with man, Adam and Eve with God with no veils. Shocking, shocking. They're interfacing with God. I, I, I just, it just blows my mind that the infinite God of all glory and power, when he creates man, he puts him in a garden resplendent with pleasure and beauty, and he starts relating to him. That's what God wants. 
relationship and intimacy. He wants to be close to us. And in the, the rebellion, in sin, Adam and Eve turned their back on God. And, and, and so now man is removed from God's presence. And from that moment forward, you see God on this search and rescue mission. And he raises up a nation. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob changes Jacob's name to Israel. And, and he raises up this nation. Then they go into captivity. Then he raises up a deliverer. And when he raises up Moses out of Egypt, he says, go into the, the desert to worship me. And he's bringing his, his, this family, this, this people out of captivity to come and to, to interrelate with them again. But it's wild what God does. He says, now build a tabernacle. And his glory rests on the tabernacle. And then you go fast forward and you get David. And then David gets the vision to build a temple. And then Solomon builds the temple. And what happens? The same exact thing happens when they dedicate the temple as happens when they dedicate the tabernacle in Moses. When they dedicate the thing, the glory of God falls in that place. And now you have the very glory of God in this temple. And the people are able to interrelate with God. They're able to worship God. Fast forward to Jesus. And when Jesus Christ is on the cross and he says, it is finished. When he says it is finished and gives up his spirit, the Bible says the veil of the temple was torn in two. This is not some little bed sheet. This is like a six inch thick veil. It's ripped in two. And the signification is that the Holy Spirit doesn't dwell in the holy place of the temple anymore. The Holy Spirit is going to dwell in people now. And that's you and me. We're walking tabernacles. We're walking holy of holies. Ephesians 2 calls us living stones. Now think about this. And then Ephesians 2, he says, we're being built together as all of us are being built together as a dwelling place for God in the spirit. Do you know what the temple of the, of the church age is? It's the people of God who are all a bunch of little arcs of the covenant. And he's building us together in unity for a glorious habitation of God. If we could just see what God is after, he's after dwelling in us and living among us. And this is the portion of the church. Not that we would live struggling with our flesh. Not that we would live with our minds set on petty things, arguing and infighting and judging this one and ostracizing that but that we would live as a people inhabited and possessed with glory in unity and love so that God can dwell among us. Am I making any sense? And so he moves it from the garden to the tabernacle to the temple to us. Us. You're the Ark of the Covenant. You're a living stone. Why are you living? Because you have glory inside of you. This is our portion, beloved. This is who we are. It's what we're called to be and how we're called to live. And he wants to manifest fragrance through us. He wants to manifest his essence through us. He wants to manifest his glory through us. 
Look at this. 2 Corinthians 3. Let's just look at these verses again. Man, I'm jealous for this stuff. You know what I don't want to do? I don't want to live my whole life. Step on over to the age to come. Jesus goes, let's open the Bible. And he starts pointing me out truths that I understood in this age but never lived in. I'm not content with that, beloved. I'm not. Are you okay with that? I'm not. When the Bible promises us stuff and we're living far beneath it, I say, no, that's not okay. I'm not just going to act like that's not real. I'm not going to come up with some theological treatise to, to, you know, to undo what's true. That's what our, our problem is. A lot of times we create theology to explain away you know, our, our lack of glory. We, we create theology to, to try to you know, pad the fact that we're barren. And what God wants us to do is wrestle with the fact that we're barren and put ourselves into the truth until the truth changes us and causes us to be glorious the way he's, he's desired for us to be. I'm not going to excuse my barrenness with some theological mentality of man and carnal minds and flesh. I'm happy today. But I'm hungry, man. Second Corinthians 3, 7. But if the ministry of death... He's talking about the law written and engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. Remember the story. Moses spends this time on the mountain before the Lord. When he comes down off the mountain, his face is shining like a spotlight. In the middle of the afternoon, in the Middle Eastern sun, his face is shining so gloriously that they literally are saying, Moses, we can't look at you. If you've ever been to the Middle East, you know that there's a quality of sun and, and there, there's a brightness of the way the sun is that's it's really, really, it's got a strong glare to it. And here's Moses out in the wilderness in the desert and his face is lit up like a spotlight and it's so bright that they can't even deal with looking at him. And, and I've come to think this, it's not just about how bright his face was, but it's the presence that was coming off the face. It was, it was light with personality. They could not steadily look at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. He calls that the ministry of death. He says the glory is passing away. He says, if that was glorious, it was written on stones. If that was glorious, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory... The ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. 
For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. The glory that excels is this, that God is no longer dwelling in temples and tabernacles and holies of holies, that God is dwelling in people. That is the glory that excels. That his glory is now on the inside of us, beloved. I don't want to live short of that truth. I don't want to explain it away. I don't want to medicate my pain because I live in lack. I don't want to just go fill my mind with all sorts of carnal stuff to get me, you know, distracted from this reality. There is a glory that excels, and it's for you and me. It's for us. It's for us. He says, if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Put your hand on your belly. Much more glorious. That's what's in there. What's inside of you? Much more glorious. That's who we are. It's what we are, much more glorious. Oh, beloved, I'm telling you, if we could just believe that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith, Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith. He says in 2 Corinthians 4, just in one page over, he's in the same vein. He says this, He said, it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. That God has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God shining into our souls from the face of Jesus Christ. And then he makes it really clear. He goes, but we have this treasure, that much more glorious treasure, we have it in an earthen vessel, in a jar of clay, says the NIV, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. The point is this, when we're seriously carrying glory, it becomes so evident that's not them. That's not them. There's no way. They've got something on the inside of them because they're just a, that's just a man. That's just a woman. They're just a human. They're, they're just a jar of clay. That he, he, it's, it's, it's how God does. He's so amazing. We are made of dirt. He takes dirt, whoosh, breathes the breath of life in us, And then he takes himself and puts it in us. And and, and the point is so that people will see him instead of us. And when they see us, they go, that can't be you, man. And you're like, I know. It's not. It's him. It's Jesus. It's his glory on the inside of me. I have a I have a personal pet peeve. Do you mind if I share it with you? I'm going to anyway. 
uh, I've seen this for decades serving the Lord. You'll get a man or a woman occasionally, a, a preacher, teacher, evangelist or something, and they start moving in glory. And what we love to do, as soon as they start moving in glory, because we want them to tell their testimony, we want to put them on the TV show, we want to put them on our platform and have them tell their testimony. And what I, I see this happen a lot. And as they're beginning to experience what it means to have the glory of God moving through them, all of a sudden, now they are uh, put on display by us in the church to tell about level one of glory that's coming out of them. And God wants to bring level 100, but because their level one that's coming out of them is so much greater than our level 0.001, we look at them and we say, it's a bonfire. And what happens is all the attention, it begins to crowd out the work of the spirit on the inside of them. And if what we would just do is just let the glory grow from a level one to a level 20 to a level 50, on the way to them growing into a level 50 manifestation of glory, there would be thousands that are moving from a level 0001 to level you know, 25. But what we love to do is we love to worship. And so instead of worshiping Jesus, we worship people. You, you get it, right? Like, I don't have a different Holy Spirit than you. <laughs> y'all, we all have the same Holy Spirit. You, you understand? In the kingdom, we're all brothers and sisters. They're, they're not, I mean, we're not gonna show up and all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> wow, look at all those people that were ministers. They're awesome. Oh, and Jesus is awesome too, but all of these awesome, that's not gonna be the thing. We're all gonna be like, dear God, he's awesome! And all of our misappropriated affections towards men? Listen, John the Baptist said this. He said, the bridegroom has the bride. He goes, he must increase, I must decrease. So as the manifestation of glory gets greater through the church, there's one singular personality that ends up getting all the affections. Jesus, Jesus and Jesus alone. And beloved, here's what I'm jealous for is that we, the church, the believers, all of us would recognize that there's not one person that's got a, a sort of a, a better market on the glory that's inside of us. We've all got glory inside of us. Yeah, look, housewife, stay-at-home mom, business guy, dude that's blue collar, whoever you are, Mom in the workplace, I mean, whatever you are, businesswoman, it doesn't, if you're in Christ, you have a glory reservoir inside of you, the riches of his glory. And he's put you in those, those places for that glory to be manifest through you, that an aroma of Christ would be known in the earth. Oh, beloved, this is our portion to live connected to the, the indwelling glory, the indwelling Christ, and allowing who he is on the inside to possess our soul and to manifest through us. Amen. Amen, amen. All right, let's stand.